some years ago, uh, before I entered what sometimes is described as, quote, vocational Christian ministry, I was doing really well financially, making far more money than I needed to live on. But it was also the unhappiest time of my life. I felt like a slave to my job. Uh, there was another period in my life. It was a very short period uh, when I felt like I was just crushing it academically at school. As I said, it was a, it was a very short period of time. But it was also one of the unhappiest times of my life. And in both situations, I made some adjustments, sought to bring more balance into my life. And this included a Sabbath practice. And slowly, I began to feel more like a human being again. Uh, Jesus once said, What shall it profit a man or a woman if they should gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? And when Jesus spoke about losing our soul in that original context, he probably wasn't just referring to eternal damnation, but our losing our connection with God in this life. One of the ways that we can ensure that we don't lose our soul, our connection with God, is through the gift of Sabbath. And in this message, I want us to explore Sabbath as a survival habit of the soul. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, as part of the Ten Commandments, God says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Part of the reason why the Hebrew people were commanded to take a Sabbath day was to remind them that they were no longer slaves. God says here, remember in verse 15 that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. As the Hebrew people kept a Sabbath day, they were reminded that they were no longer slaves under the iron fist of Pharaoh, but they were free people living under the loving rule of God. In the ancient world of the Egyptians, the Akkadians, and the Phoenicians, uh, they had their gods, but none of their gods ever gave ordinary people a regular day off. The historian Thomas Cahill tells us that when God gives his people 
the gift of the Sabbath through the Ten Commandments, it is the first time in the history of the world where regular, ordinary people are given a regular weekly day off. And so the gift of the Sabbath is truly unprecedented. It is this unique gift that reminded God's people that their lives were no longer defined by making bricks for Pharaoh, that they were free people, that they were the children of God. And when we observe the Sabbath, we are reminded that our core identity doesn't come from what we produce or how we perform, but our identity flows from this truly amazing fact that we are loved as the daughters and sons of God. You know, the best analogy I know to this uh, is a loving parent's love for their child. A couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about our 12-year-old son, Joey. I, I mentioned that, um, you know, he's not especially productive. He loves to play with his toys, but does not like to clean them up or, you know, organize his room. I mentioned that he makes no money for our household economy. And I also said that several years ago, he and some rowdy boys in the class were being sent out from the classroom from time to time. He's doing better in school now. I said, we don't love our son Joey because he's productive or because he earns money for our household or because he's doing well at school or not so much. We love him simply because he's alive, because he has a pulse, because he's breathing, because he's our boy. And God loves you not because of what you produce or contribute, as important as that may be. God loves you simply because you're alive, because you're breathing, because you're his boy, because you're his girl. And Sabbath is a way for us to wear the yoke of the Father's love across our shoulders and rest in that love. The great Jewish theologian, Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his classic book on the Sabbath, contends that the gift of Sabbath is a palace in time. Heschel makes the argument that the very pinnacle of creation wasn't human beings who were made on the sixth day of creation, he contends that the very apex of creation was the gift of Sabbath, joyous rest, tranquility, and delight made on day seven. Some commentators contend that as we look at the creation story, complexity builds across the days of the creation story. And so some people say, well, since woman was made after man, therefore woman is superior to man. I have no issue with that. Heschel argues that Sabbath is the very climax of creation. And he points out that Sabbath wasn't created so that we could 
recover from six days of work or refuel for another week of work. He writes, the Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It is not an interlude, but the climax of living. The Sabbath is a palace in time to delight in God, to delight in life, and to delight in others. Sabbath is a palace in time to delight in God. When God had finished creating the heavens and the earth, according to the opening pages of the Bible, God stepped back and said, what I have made is very good. God took time to delight in what he had created. And the Sabbath day is a palace in time to delight in what God has done. A couple of weeks ago, in my message, I mentioned that at the end of the day, in the evening, I will pray this 500-year-old prayer of gratitude called the Prayer of Examine. And I'll look back over my day and I'll recount a few things for which I am thankful to God for. Now, on my Sabbath day, I do my prayer of gratitude, not in the evening, but in the morning. And so recently, on the morning of my Sabbath day, I'll take a long walk, usually with our golden retriever, Sasha, on the beach. This may sound a little bit weird, but I'll pray that the Spirit guides me, and then I'll begin to give thanks to God for all the gifts in my life up until now. So I'll thank God for my birth in Tokyo, Japan, and I happen to be born to parents who wanted me. A loving grandmother was also present. And then I thank God for our move as a family when I was two to London, England, and for the chance to go to school there and eventually moving to Vancouver when I was nearly eight years old and eventually as a teenager, uh, getting into some trouble and coming to know Christ. And I thank God for the gifts across my lifetime thus far. And on the Sabbath day, if we have some kind of spiritual practice to remind us of what God has done on the previous day or the week or a longer period of time that we're looking back across, that is part of what makes the Sabbath day holy. God says in Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Eugene Peterson, the late, great, respected pastor and author, once asked the question, what is the difference between a Sabbath day and a day off? Do you know what he said? He said, the difference between a Sabbath and a day off is that a day off is a bastard Sabbath. Jarring language, but memorable. A day off is a kind of bastard Sabbath. And part of what makes a Sabbath truly a Sabbath is that we delight in God and enjoy God's presence. A couple of years ago, 
the family ministries department here at our church, organized a bring your kids to work day for our pastors and staff. And uh, they organized uh, one of these Kahoot games where, you know, we reach for our cell phone and uh, we, we play a little quiz game to find out how much we know about each other's, you know, backgrounds and the trivia about us. And in preparation for this, the, the pastor and staff kids were given a little survey. And one of the questions on the survey was, what is your parents' hobby? So our son, Joe, who was 10 at the time, filled out the survey, including that question, what is your parents' hobby? He had no idea I would look at it afterwards. But after we had finished this little quiz game, one of my colleagues, uh, one of our pastors of children's ministries, uh, took me aside and said, hey, uh, Ken, I want you to look at this, uh, this survey that Joey filled out. I want you to look at this question. And I read the question, uh, what is your dad's hobby? And uh, Joey had written as an answer, my dad's hobby is to spend time with me. I was, I was surprised and, and, and happy, happy to read that. Uh, you know, God doesn't need to ask me a survey uh, question because God knows what's on my heart. But if God were to ask me the question, what is your hobby on your Sabbath day? I hope my heart would answer. My hobby is spending time with you. And, and part of the way that Sabbath becomes a palace in time where we delight in God is by enjoying God's presence. That doesn't mean that we spend the entire Sabbath day reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, or consciously praying, 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 or doing something religious. But it does mean that we, in so many words, or in our spirit, will ask God the question, how should we enjoy this day together? What should we do? And as our spirit asks that question, God will surely say, let's do something that brings you life. Because Sabbath is a palace in time to delight in God. It is also a palace in time to delight in life. Jesus, as you may know, if you've read the Gospels, had this habit of healing people on the Sabbath day, even though it meant pushback, blowback, criticism from the religious leaders. Now, Jesus didn't heal people on the Sabbath just to generate controversy or buzz or to be a kind of against contrarian figure. That wasn't in his nature. Now, Jesus healed people on the Sabbath even though he knew that he would be condemned for this by the religious leaders because he wanted to show us that it is God's intention to restore us and bring us life on the Sabbath. My dear friend, Mark Buchanan, who's a Canadian pastor and now professor of ministry at a seminary in Calgary, in his book called The Rest of God, he says that the golden rule of Sabbath is to cease from what is necessary and to embrace what gives life. The golden rule of Sabbath is to cease from what is necessary and to embrace what gives life. He writes, Sabbath is a reprieve from doing what you ought to do, 
even though the list of oughts is infinitely long and never done. Oughts are tyrants, noisy and surly, chronically dissatisfied. Sabbath is the day you trade places with them. They go into the salt mine and you go out dancing. You get to willfully ignore the many niggling things your existence genuinely depends on and is often hobbled beneath so that you can turn to whatever you've put off and pushed away for lack of time, lack of room, lack of breath. You get to shuck the have-tos and lay hold of the get-tos. So is there something in your existence that really brings you life and unfettered joy? You know, for me, it's doing something physical outdoors, like kayaking, spending time in the water, maybe uh, on a friend's sailboat, uh, running through the forest, uh, biking through our city. For you, it might be listening to beautiful music, viewing gorgeous art, eating your favorite food, spending time with someone special. Your Sabbath day might be a good day to embrace what brings you life because Sabbath is a palace in time to delight in life. My wife, Sakiko, is taking this spiritual formation course and she got to know one of her classmates named AJ. AJ learned that Jewish fathers on the morning of the Sabbath would give their children a spoonful of honey. And the idea was simple. It was simply to teach them that the Sabbath was sweet. When AJ learned this, he began waking up his young son, Elliot. I think he's like seven or eight or something. And um, they would, um, on the Sabbath morning, make pancakes together. And then when they were finished making those pancakes, they would just drench them with huge amounts of maple syrup. They would just flood these pancakes with maple syrup. Then they'd go up uh, to, um, to Quinn, uh, AJ's wife and Elliot's mother, uh, wake her up and they would have breakfast together. And as they would eat these maple syrup, deluged pancakes, they would just enjoy that experience, that, that, that sweetness. And AJ is hoping that when he himself is long gone and dead, and Elliot is an adult, and someone whispers the word, Sabbath, Elliot will begin to drool. And I hope that you know that the Sabbath is sweet. If I was actually in Bayview Glen right now, I would take this little jar of honey from the honey shop here in our city, and I would uh, dip this spoon into it, and I would, I would give you some honey as a reminder that the Sabbath is sweet. So uh, since the honey is on the spoon, I'll take it myself. But... Next time, I'll give it to you. And so the Sabbath 
is, oh, that's quite good, a, a palace in time to delight in God, to delight in life. And the Sabbath is also a palace in time to delight in people. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm of Asian ancestry, because I'm originally from Japan, but I, I tend to be a workaholic. And as such, I tend to put my relationships and my family on the back burner of my life. Embarrassed to admit that, but it's true. If Sabbath were merely a suggestion, I might well ignore it. But it is a commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, in fact. And so I don't want to break one of the Ten Commandments unnecessarily. I don't want to sin unnecessarily. And so I seek to honor this commandment. And this commandment has been a gift. It has helped to save and preserve my marriage, which would otherwise be compromised. It has prevented my relationships with family members and friends from being damaged. So I'm grateful for that. But even if you are not a workaholic by nature like me, Sabbath is a gift because on this day, you can enjoy connecting with your family and friends. Maybe during a pandemic, it'll largely be online through um, you know, Zoom or FaceTime or by phone. And you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel bad that you're not working or you're not studying or you're not productively producing. It's a gift. It is sweet. Years ago, a researcher discovered that in Jewish communities, death rates plummeted on the Sabbath. Amazingly, fewer people in these Jewish communities died on the Sabbath. Now, it was quite remarkable because, you know, we would presume that in a Jewish community, physicians and nurses and medical staff would, would be taking a Sabbath. They wouldn't be working or working as much, but still death rates tanked on the Sabbath. And the researchers concluded that in these communities, uh, Jewish people experienced Sabbath as a wonder. To delight in God if they believed in God, and certainly to delight in life and in people. And so even if they were seriously sick, maybe terminally ill, they would make one last push toward the Sabbath so they could experience it one more time. And, and they, would, they would just embrace life. Now, as great as Sabbath is, I also want to acknowledge realistically that there are seasons when it is difficult to fully embrace this gift. Parents of young children find it hard to keep a Sabbath. Medical students who are going through their rotations, find it tough, tough to maintain Sabbath. If you're starting up a new business, it can be hard as well. And, and Sabbath won't always be perfect or complete. But with some planning and foresight, uh, with some creativity, with a lot of trust, because there's always more work than we have time to do, Sabbath takes trust. It is an act of faith. And perhaps with some support from others, 
we can move toward a more complete and life-giving Sabbath. I close with a story from the Jewish theologian Abraham Heschel. He describes how this Jewish man was imprisoned in a cave, a cave that was completely dark where not a single ray of sunlight could reach him. And understandably, in that dark cave, he felt sad and lonely and restless. And he yearned for nicotine. He was, he was a smoker. But several days into his captivity, he found that he wasn't craving a cigarette. That his anxiety had been replaced by peace. His sense of despair by joy. It just welled up inside him. And he began counting the days in his head, and he realized that it was the Sabbath day. And while he was in the captivity of this cave, in the darkness, every seven days he had this sense of peace, inner rest, and delight. Even though he was holed up in this dark cave, Every seven days, he experienced a palace in time. Now, most of us, especially if we live in a place like the GTA or Vancouver, probably won't live in some palatial mansion. And most of us won't own a second home. But if we receive the gift of the Sabbath and delight in God, in life, and in people. We will have a second home. We will have a palace in time. So receive the gift.